This is Horns Up and we're playing it fast, heavy and fucking awesome on this episode thanks to an album that I was extremely shocked about. It's called The Affair of the Poisons and it's the second full-length album from one-man project, Hell Ripper. One of the albums to really hit the sweet spot this year, right Peter? And that's saying something. Hell Ripper comes with, you know, some great releases. So, of course, you expect nothing but just fast in your face uh, dirty black metal with mixed with thrash metal i guess also what's great about being a one man project well it's the very fact that it makes contacting and talking to the project easier and that's exactly what we did we reached out to james mcbain and boom here's that conversation fair warning and i must apologize to james uh we aren't that much older than you and sorry for almost being uh, uncleish in this conversation <laughs> But uh, yeah, here we fucking go. Hi, James. Uh, welcome to Horns Up. How are you doing today? Hi there. Thank you for thank you for having me on. I'm doing very well, thank you. It's raining here, but that's the that's the usual. Yeah, UK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, how I hated that rain. Anyways, uh, James, I'd 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 like to just quickly begin by you know. checking up and just making sure that i'm telling the right story or that we are telling the right story so i wanted to check how old were you when you started life as hell ripper um i think technically it started in 2014 so i i think i was 19 probably 18 19 but i started that was when hell ripper officially started okay i i, I had like ideas for hell ripper a couple of years previously mm-hmm. i recorded an ep um maybe when i was 17 or 18 and i wasn't happy with the results so i waited a year or so like i stopped i gave up for a year and then carried on and then I, that's when i would say hell ripper officially started okay. so around 18 years old 19 i think Okay so that would make you what 24 to 25 right now 25 yeah damn i feel anumesh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just go burn your bass guitar <laughs> like throw all your equipment away. and you know so here's here here's the here's the funny thing right like over the last over the last 5 to 6 years especially uh, you take the words one man project right in the hard rock metal heavy guitar realm as such and you really only hear about bedroom project turn live acts like so you've got your cloud kickers you've got your plinies and of course yeah. like, were to turn black back the clock you would get people like putrid pile to an extent who were mm-hmm. doing heavy guitar one man projects mm-hmm. the larger question really is being so young how did you choose to spend your life in this manner because obviously this is something that you're now choosing to do full time right mm-hmm. and the second question then becomes what really is driving you okay um really the the reason that i started like as a solo project was it was simply because there were, i didn't know much pe- much other people that were into similar music as me So I had tried to start bands with friends uh, since I was 14 14 years old or so. And yeah, the main problem was always finding a drummer. 
Um, I think many people can many people can relate to that. There's not many <laughs> there's not many drummers, and especially when you're like young, when you're 14, 15, it's it's quite hard because you're not like in a bigger scene. Because obviously, when I was at that age, I wasn't really involved with the local scene because I wasn't I was too young to get into some of the venues and things like that. So yeah, it was basically out of necessity, like just to do, just to try it on my own. And um, I was also curious, but I also wanted to learn how to record and mix things by my, like uh, at home. And I thought like the, uh, they went together. I thought I could do both. I could learn how to mix and record and things like that while putting out the music that I wanted to make. Uh. And yeah, just, from there I, I enjoy it so much like I music of course is like my main passion my main hobby so it's being on my own I don't have to rely on anyone like deadlines um, like studio deadlines studio costs other people's schedules um, yeah it's so it, it's convenient for me it's just a way of doing my my hobby and my passion really and that's basically what's driving me as well I just enjoy doing it I really like the process over the years I've um, got more used to the process um, um, so yeah it's just it's kind of just became like a natural thing for me now I, I find it easier to work on my own rather than in a with other people so yeah that's just driving me that I enjoy doing it simply Cool. I uh, I absolutely buy that. Now, um, you know this is this is this is something that I, that Peter and I keep discussing, or largely it's I keep bringing up this point that uh, technology today is so cool because it has you know absolutely democratized democratized uh, so many skills and so many so many just you know just made everything so much more easier. Uh, I understand that you write most of your stuff on uh, guitar tablature software. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Um, and that's also why, you know, I'm guessing programming, MIDI, drums, etc. All of that comes easier to you or naturally to you because you're also born in an age where, you know, yeah. of your age. Uh, I'd also see people of our age, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is get technology right so it, it it makes it a lot more easier so think- here's a slightly i don't know it's not a philosophical question as much as it is uh just trying to understand um where where you're coming from or your mentality do you think if you were born say you know in the uh 80s or in the 70s you would still be doing a one-man thing um Possibly. I mean, yeah, because it's so easy nowadays with the all the software and everything you can ju- anyone can like kind of get decent results at home. It's not difficult. It's not too difficult to learn. Whereas, I mean, yeah, if you're in the 80s and things, yeah, you you really had to hire a studio. And yeah, in, in the equipment is, of course, like all analog and more expensive more difficult to use i think i've never used analog equipment so i think yeah it's just 
yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't be doing it by myself in the eighties or whatever. But yeah, nowadays it's definitely. I think it's easier to use to get decent results from the equipment that is available oh. at a more reasonable price as well. So it's, I think, yeah, anyone that's born or grew up in like my era or like an era where computers and things were always always a thing i mean i've had a computer since i was like uh 10 or so like uh so like i've always known that exactly i've never had to adapt and like learn like learn later on and stuff so yeah i think definitely i think i have an advantage like and my generation have an advantage i would say yeah but of course, you know, the, the, the disclaimer always is that although the tools, it's only, you know, they're only as good as how much you can use them to get what you want out of them, right? And obviously, on that regard, what you've been doing with Hellripper and with your other projects also, that's just in a completely different league. Wouldn't you agree, Peter? Right? I mean, he's been yeah. prolific in the last five years. True. I mean, like that—that's one of the things. I mean, actually, while we were talking, and you know, I've, I've been at least following this kind of sound with the black thrash, right? I mean, uh, Joel Grind uh, of Toxic Holocaust. He also comes to mind with that kind of work ethic. And uh, I still remember there was a certain struggle he went through while he was doing everything uh, on his own, and then he got like other musicians and all on board. But yeah. coming back to you, I mean. Uh, I've been following your career at least for uh, the last couple of years, and one thing I've noticed is, in the last since you've started Hell Ripper, every year there's like a new EP or album, and in some cases there's been more than one. So what's the secret? I mean, if you could tell us. <laughs> I mean, it's really it's it's just because that's all I do. Really, I'm I'm always writing, always recording. That's that's my hobby. Um, so I'm always doing it. So. Um, it'd be difficult to get an album out every year, um, but it is cool to have one, two, three, four new songs out each year. Um, but yeah, the simple answer is it's just because it's what I do all the time. It's my hobby. So whenever I have free time, I'm playing guitar, um, listening to music, getting inspiration, mm. like that. So yeah, it's basically what it just consumes my life. So it's it's basically all I. Yeah, it's basically all that I do and all that I like think about. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so having said that, um, how do you organize your time, man, across so many different projects? Like, are you one of those people who's like a slave to their calendars as such, and every minute of every day is accounted for, or <laughs> one of those who you know just does things depending on what you feel like? Oh, today I'm in a fucking trashy mood. I'm gonna write some hell ripper. Yeah, it's basically yeah, basically that way. Um, at at first, um, when I released and started like all these different projects, like three or four different things were happening at the same time. It was because I had just gotten into the home recording and just kind of learned what to do. So I was like at a really creative moment, and like ideas were coming at me like from everywhere of all sorts of styles and things. And of course, I. I'd had ideas for years before that, like it was like my whole life's worth of ideas, really. So I managed to get quite a lot of different things done at the start. Whereas now, since Hellrippers became, um, is growing, 
I've I've devoted more of my time to Hellripper. So yeah, I mainly focus on Hellripper. Um and when I'm and when I'm inspired or creative or feeling inspired for like a particular a different style of music, I, I do that. But yeah, it's I'm not I don't do things according to like a calendar, like I have to do death metal here, I have to do Hellripper here. It's just it's just really what comes to me. Um and yeah, as as Hellripper's grown, it's became my main focus and it's made me more inspired, I think, as Hellripper's grown, I've it's yeah, it kind of took took my creative uh flow from other from like all the other genres and I've just focused it onto Hellripper, which I think has helped. Um but I'm still interested in doing the other stuff. It's just that yeah, the the lack of time and the lack of yeah, just yeah, mainly the lack of time really. <laughs> um just because I want to focus on growing Hellripper. Um but there is other stuff coming. Like I'm in the middle of writing and a few other things right now. Um but they they come slowly. Um <laughs> Are you one of those people who would like uh, 26 or 30 hours in a day? Mm-hmm. I think so. It would be it'd be handy. It definitely be helpful, I think. But uh yeah, especially yeah, especially these last couple of weeks. Uh. And with the new album, it's kind of I've been busier than I've ever been before with like press things and packing the orders and promotional things and all that. It's yeah everything kind of got stepped up to 11 in that respect um so yeah the last few weeks i've been doing nothing but packing orders and and speaking to people on social media like answering like fans and promoting so <laughs> it's it's not just one man in terms of the music but it's also one man in terms of the entire uh look feel touch yeah for the most part yeah um up until in yeah up until last year i think yeah up until last year when we really when i released the ep i was basically doing everything i was doing all the promotion well the majority of the promotion of course all the labels that i work with and stuff help out like and do like the label duties and stuff like that but i would also do promotion i would i was in charge of booking shows uh, i'm in charge of the social media and everything but over the uh, when i signed with the last ep reaper metal productions they handled a lot of the promotion and the press kind of things which helped a lot and of course the new album with peaceful they've done a lot in terms of promotion distribution and everything like that so yeah okay. but even i've still been busy <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, which kind of brings us to our next question. I mean, you know, one of the things about the affairs of the poisons is that it's your first release after signing to Peaceful Records. And mm. one thing I was really glad about is that has had zero impact on your sound. Uh Yeah. And but which prompts me to my question. I mean, you know, after years of doing it the DIY route, what prompted you to sign with the larger label? now after all these years yeah it's uh mainly they can do things that i can't or like a smaller label can't they've got far more distribution hmm. worldwide i mean 
one of the things that I've always hated is that fans can't get the can't get the albums at like a, a reasonable price. Especially, I mean, if people want to buy the album from me from the US, the mm. the, ship, the shipping is is horrible. But the prices are horrible. So Peaceville have got like of course like lot, lots of stores worldwide and in loads of countries that people can get um, the album from. Of course, their promotion, uh, they can do far more than I can in terms of promotion. They have more contacts than me. Um, and it and it also it also like brings a for lack of a better word, the an air of legitimacy to the band. Mm-hmm. If you're signed to like a a bigger label or a, a reputable label, people take more notice of you, like as opposed to thinking, oh, that guy's just oh, a guy in his bedroom doing music. It kind of <laughs> gives you like that kind of yeah. See, that yeah. that tickled me. The only thing that tickled me, like in that entire thing, and why I suddenly burst out into a smile. Obviously, none of you who are listening can actually see that, but uh, yeah, was because you made it a point to use the word band there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's that's a weird one. I I don't like to use the term band. I usually refer to it as a project, but yeah, everyone else refers to it as a band. If I refer to it as a yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> it's, uh, Technically, it's a band, I guess, but I, I I usually tend to call it a project because yeah, it's just me. So it's uh, with us. Um, like. <laughs> so so you know, we were talking earlier about technology and how democratizing it's been, right? So where do you lie in terms of the importance of labels? I mean, you've slightly touched upon it, but today, I mean, you've been doing it for a while with Bandcamp. Uh, you've got digital distributors, right? I mean, yeah. uh, it's as simple today as you finish recording, get the mix and master done and you can upload it and that's yeah. it. You don't have the whole thing of, you know, release dates and press and all of that. And even yeah. like setting up a merch store or setting up an e-store or, uh, you know, just partnering with your local DHL or whatever courier service, etc. Things are easier. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you you can definitely do a lot yourself. Um, I've always worked with labels for physical uh, with physical releases for the most part, um, just because labels do still have a, a purpose for sure. Hmm. I mean, most labels, even your smaller labels, have at least some sort sort of uh, distribution. They uh, sometimes have like a dedicated fan base to the label. Um, they have, yeah, just support from other people. You can do it yourself, definitely, and a lot of bands do um, and are quite successful. But for the most part, there are things that labels can do and are better at doing than me. Uh, for example, I mentioned like the promotion side of things, the press side of things. Peaceful can, like these labels can set up a proper schedule. Um, this is when the most effective time to release the single is. This is when it's best to put pre-orders up. This is the best time to release uh, in this period of time, etc. Whereas, like a good way to build up hype and things towards your release. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, of course, if it was myself, and if you just upload to Bandcamp and things, a lot of websites don't accept uh, reviews, uh, like review requests or press releases after a release or oh, a, cer- yeah. a certain amount of time. Which uh, I don't understand at all. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just that, that, I mean, there's so many releases coming out. Yeah, it's difficult. I guess, yeah, I guess you you can't you can't possibly listen like because yeah, there's you... no way there's no way you can like possibly listen to each and every metal album that comes out on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Forget a Friday. I mean, yeah, but but you know what? Uh, I must I must say this, James, for uh, all the hard work that you do, your PR game is on point, man. You're one of the very few uh, young musicians whose name, if Googled, along with the word interview, will lead to, say, probably up to five or six pages of fresh interview results. Okay. I've, okay, I've never, I've never done that, so I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, that, that, that means you've, you're open with your time, you're free with your time, and you understand the importance of doing press as such right yeah uh, is that something that that you need to be uh, that musicians in today's day and age need to be mindful about yeah i think so um usually in my mind that kind of thing it doesn't really um i don't really kind of class it as press i think it's if people uh want to interview me or speak to me because they like the music or whatever then the least I can do is give my time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the le- least I can do is to give a little bit of my time to people and speak to people that like my music. I am mm. very grateful for people's support. I'm happy that people like the music and things. So I, I speak to people um, that share similar interests. It's like when I speak to fans of Hellripper, I, I always speak to the fans. I get, give them music recommendations. They give me music recommendations yeah, it's just a cool way to speak to people with like mutual interests. Um, but yeah, it's definitely important to get to get your name out there for a for a new band um, by doing whatever kind of press because there's so many there's so many new bands, so many new albums coming out every Friday, like you said. That once you release something, the next week you could be forgotten about because there's fifty new great releases and everyone's moved on so it's like yeah you've got to try and be active or at least in people's minds at all times kind of if you know what I mean and especially now when there's no live shows happening it's more there's less ways to get to your fans I mean and then that also gives the thing of there's all the more bands now are posting online and more bands are doing things online. So it's kind of even harder at the moment to get noticed or get uh, be heard, if you know what I mean. Right. So, you know, we've spoken uh, a lot so far and we've not been touched upon the album. So let's start off with the music itself. Uh, We'd like to play a track from The Affair of the Poisons. Which one should we play and why? Um, I would say play Blood Orgy of the She-Devils. It's 
one of my favorites. I think it's a good uh, kind of driving uh, motorhead type track. It, that's got a fun chorus. It's kind of got a bouncy rhythm. I think it's just a fun song to listen to. It's not, yeah, I would say that one. one of the best things about one man projects is that you know that one man has got all all the control complete control as such mm. it means that you're responsible for all the parts right mm-hmm. um do you think that's a freeing thing or like a boxing thing and i'll tell you my perspective where i'm coming from on that think of it in this manner um like for instance the drums on the affair of the poisons they sound excellent right but they don't really have a signature style to them uh, they sound robotic to a point mm-hmm. given that if you would have brought in a drummer who had his own or her own signature style it might have led to uh, i don't know uh you like more- you're getting where i'm coming from right yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah i think um it 
it's both an advantage and a disadvantage. Uh-huh. I think it allow, of course, like you say, yeah, it's it can kind of box you in or whatever, or the or maybe like one instrument kind of takes precedent over the other ones, like if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But on the other end, you don't need to compromise like your music, uh, like your ideas. If someone has an idea, if like a band is like a democracy and if one, if other people like an idea that I don't like and then you have to include it in the song and I'm not a big fan of it or, or whatever. So I think, yeah, it's both advantage. Uh, there's both advantages and disadvantages, I would say, both in that. Cool. Like that. Completely get that. So here's then the next question then. Um, how much of your time is spent developing and honing skills on other instruments? So through this entire journey of being Hellripper and, and all the other various musical projects that you are responsible for, how much of your time is now spent on, hey, you know, let me figure out how to make a really cool jump fill or um, hey, maybe if I play this on the bass, my guitar will be even better. You know, yeah. from the perspective of a musician who specializes in those instruments. Yeah, um, usually I, d- I don't like practice as such. Like I don't like go out of my way to practice. Usually my 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 way to practice is by writing things. Okay. So, and I come up with a, I'm always like listening to other music and things like, so I get inspiration. Um, so I think if I come up with a riff or something on guitar, huh. I I then try and figure out the best way to complement that on bass. Um, so I'm always thinking, for example, like what what's the best way to that the bass would kind of affect the song. Usually, in my style of music and for what I like, usually the bass just kind of follows the guitar. But yeah, I'm a big fan of like bands like the Beatles and things. So their bass style, like. Paul McCartney would play different things sometimes on 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 like the first and second verse. He wouldn't play the same yeah. thing, even though the guitar would be playing like a similar thing. It's things like that. So I think, oh, the first verse I could play something different to the second verse and things like that. But as in developing my like my actual like playing ability, um, I just kind of practice when I write songs. I don't. I don't really, yeah, go out of my way to practice. But sometimes, like, I'll write a really challenging song or an idea that will come to me that I can't play uh, very well originally. So I have to, like, keep playing and keep practicing in that in that respect. And sometimes I learn other, like, other songs and things, like other people's songs, but that's that's very rare nowadays. I used to, I used to like, just play... Uh, I used to like learn like the whole Metallica discography and things like that and play along with like Metallica and stuff. But now, yeah, it's mainly focused on like writing by myself. Yeah. And, and, and the reason, and the reason why both Animesh and I smiled is there's a Metallica reference or plug for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, okay. So, so having said that, have, uh, have you ever, uh, um, you, you know, of the story of Meshuga's bleed, right? Um, uh, no, I'm not sure. Uh, okay, you've heard the song "Bleed." I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, right. Who hasn't? So essentially, that uh, the the signature drum part, right? Mm-hmm. 
it was first it was it was written out as programmed or uh, and then the drummer learned how to play it mm-hmm. okay have you encountered something of that sort in your music so far wherein you've written out a part and then later on realize that holy shit if this was to be actually played by a drummer he wouldn't be able to do it or by a bassist he wouldn't be able to do it uh, not too much um i usually know what's i usually have it in my mind where i know what's possible and it it helps that this style of music isn't super technical doesn't have to be extremely difficult to play in things whereas i mean if if i was doing like some sort of extreme death metal and i had to and i wanted uh, double bass at like 300 beats per minute with drum fill <laughs> things of course it would be difficult but for the most part i mean hellripper's kind of thrash rock and roll type stuff so it's i kind of know what's possible in that in that respect uh, without without making making having the need for a drummer with five arms or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah squidwards <laughs> 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 um uh, so speaking of which have you heard of this instrument called the jammy guitar jammy uh, no i don't think so check it out because it's it's like, it seems like it's designed for someone like you uh okay. this, of course this is not a plug yeah so i'm just putting it out there it's not a plug at all but uh, i thought of it especially because i saw a video of it in uh, the past week or so and i immediately thought of you and how beneficial this was to one man projects essentially because okay. essentially a midi keyboard that is designed for guitarists okay so um yeah check it out it's called the jammy guitar the okay is it doesn't come in a gibson explorer body type yet oh uh, well i can i can't get it then <laughs> <laughs> now i'll check that out uh yeah so could be interesting yeah it, i mean yeah yeah check it out anyways peter right so w- one of the things uh I enjoy about Hell Ripper is that it gr- makes for like great music for like a drinking session. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if you've been approached already, but the question is if Hell Ripper there had to be a Hell Ripper beer or whiskey, what would it be and what would it taste like? Oh, I mean, I I would need a signature uh, Buckfast. Are you familiar with Buckfast? No, no. It's uh yeah, it's a it's a drink. What a Buckfast is? No, it's it's like a tonic wine. It's like it's just alcohol and caffeine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's Yeah, it's just it's like a weird thing. It's it's primarily it's like a primarily Scottish thing. It's a uh, brewed by monks. Okay. Uh or was brewed by monks, I'm not I'm not too sure. But yeah, it's it's just caffeine and and alcohol and it's Yeah. The main thing that affects you is like the caffeine. It just <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah. wow, caffeine and alcohol does that even go together? I mean, isn't like alcohol supposed to relax you and that's the thing, right? I mean, that's yeah. like a bullfrog bull, or I don't know, Red Bull and a vodka. That's what the thing has an effect on you. It works wow. both ways. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's a fucking excellent art. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if you can get it um oh. elsewhere. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if you can get it outside the UK or I've got no idea. Yeah, we'll I'll, I'll look it up definitely. Uh coming to my next question, I mean you touched upon this slightly so I definitely want to hear more. In addition to Hell Ripper, you also have a death metal 
project, which is Lord Rod, and mm-hmm. a not so metal project, Lock Howl. Mm-hmm. So, my initial question when I came across that is, when do you sleep? And <laughs> the second is, how do you manage all of them together? Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, in the past couple of years, uh, Lock Howl and Lord Rod haven't. I haven't really done much with them because I've been focusing on Hellripper. So, yeah, that's kind of helped, I guess. Uh, the fact that Hellripper is more active than those two. But yeah, th- those are just things. I'm a big fan of those styles of music. So, yeah, ideas come to me and I write write the music. Uh, but is that something that you're planning on changing? Because you said you're writing uh, other stuff also earlier. Um. I've got no idea what's going to happen. Um, I, I will, I am writing. I've got, I've got so many things that I should be releasing at some point, like different projects, uh, at least five more or something at some point as well, <laughs> as well as the Lord Roth and Lock Howl things. I'm still working on um, new material for those, but yeah, I haven't really planned for what's going to happen when they when they release. Um, in terms of like live shows and things, Hellripper will be the focus. Um, I don't really think I'll be touring with those other projects, but so that that helps a lot, I guess. That that kind of gives me more time for Hellripper and things. But yeah, I haven't really decided what's going to happen when <laughs> when things get released. It's been it's been quite a while since I released another like a different thing that was not Hellripper. And in that time, Hellripper's kind of grown quite a bit. So, yeah, I've got no idea what the what it's going to entail. Like having two, three things going on at the same time. Yeah, but since I mean, looking at how prolific you are, uh, have you already started on working on the next Hellripper release? Uh, yeah, scheduled for something next year. Yeah, um, I'm about halfway through writing. Wow. Yeah, so. My aim is either this time next year or eight, uh, the spring of 2022. Mm. Uh, it just depends on both when I get things done and when the label thinks is the best time and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, New Hellripper will be sooner than than the wait for this album, which was three years in between. Turning gears around to something that uh, I read about in an old interview of yours where you say that your guitar hero is John Fushiante, who's back in RHCP now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I associate him with RHCP too. I thought he was the best of all of RHCP's guitarists. Yeah, me too. I mean... We generally expect to hear the name of a shredder or a riff machine guitarist from someone named Hellripper. Mm-hmm. But explain to us what can metal musicians learn from John Fushiante? Uh, I think what I've taken from him, I mean, I think he's just really good at like phrasing. If you listen to his guitar solos, sometimes he does uh, kind of shred and things, but of course, it's more melodic and things. And I try and I think that's been a big influence on my guitar playing, especially if you listen to some of my guitar solos, I try and make them more melodic as well as like shredding. And one of the things that I noticed that I do a lot that is a big influence, uh, that's a big thing taken from him is 
like his funk style of playing. So he's always moving his right hand, yeah. basically. So if in some of my solos, there's like, uh, what do you call it? Not pan mutes, but like I'm muting the notes with my right hand in between notes and kind of giving, I try to give some of the the solos like a, a bouncy, jumpy kind of feel. Um, I think an example of that would be in the... Um, the Affair of the Poisons, the guitar solo for that. It's kind of, for lack of a better word, like some parts are like dancey, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's kind of like jumpy and things. So I think that's one thing that I've taken from that. Like, um, But yeah, in terms of just like, yeah, melody really. Um, I mean, John Frusciante is kind of, um, takes a lot from Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, he does. So... Yeah, if you listen to Jimi Hendrix, his guitar solos and things like that, there, there's like cool, uh, melodic kind of things, like songs within a song in his guitar solos. But also, he was just crazy making all sorts of noises and things like that. So, there's a lot to be learned from anyone that any like different kind of music. I think, of course, um, not just like, any guitarist that plays a different style of music. You can take that and apply it to what you want to do that's what I try and do a lot uh, another big influence is Angus Young so I try and a lot of Hellripper so, uh, solos and things are like kind of blues like Angus Young things just faster um, so yeah I think yeah listen to as much different things as you can <laughs> hmm. so while you were learning your uh, Metallica discography were you also learning the entire rhcp catalog uh most of it um yeah but um yeah metallica definitely metallica definitely helps with the the rhythm playing the down picking and yeah like yeah that. and then you can go on to slayer for the alternate uh, i was just gonna say that <laughs> gonna say that yeah you, once you've done metallica then you move to slayer yeah so it's just like influences coming from every all of these bands i mean yeah, Metallica with the down picking rhythm, Slayer with the alternate picking kind of things, and just try and kind of yeah, yeah get influence from as much the, as you yeah the the fretting hand really gets developed mm. with at least older Slayer, like mm. the first couple of album Slayers. Anyways, um, so 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 here's a here's a slight fun question then. What's What's a dream support lineup as such for you? Would it be, would you envision Hellripper live, like completely hypothetical dream scenario? You can pick and choose any musician you want. Yeah, live or dead. <laughs> live or dead. Uh, would you, would it be like, we can help you just structure it. So would it be a five piece band or a six piece band? And would you opt to front the band a la say Hetfield or Mustaine? Or would you let a vocalist come in and take over? Or yeah, I think I would prefer to play guitar if I, I could What's... get better vocalist. Uh, there's so many things to consider whether the songs would be good, whether these guys would fit in with each other and things, because there's like <laughs> assume that they will. Assume that they are all well, session music. They will. Will... So on vocals, I'd have uh, I'd get some like deep death growls like from Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth, like his uh, death growl style, I love that. Um, 
Yeah, Dave Mustaine would be cool. Just he's a crazy guitarist. Jeff Waters from Annihilator, they would be cool. Um, nice. Do I have to be in the band or can I just. Someone has to teach them all of this, right? Go for a three guitar lineup. I'll play guitar with James, uh, with Dave Mustaine and Jeff Waters. Um, I'll have uh, Les Claypool from Primus on, drum, uh, on bass. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, drums, who would I go? Uh, I think I'd go for like one of these, um, like Marco Miniman or Hannes <laughs> or something on drums. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> now, a super group that I would, I would like insane amounts of money to see. I, I, I don't know why. I just had like a vision of James playing one of those like fantasy games, but here you pick your band members yeah. <laughs> and he's like maxed out on all his allowance. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insane lineup, man. Yeah, I'm not sure how the, what, what it would sound like. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they're all playing Hellripper music. No, oh, okay. Um, oh, that, that'd be fine. Man. If you add some Les Claypool like slap bass to Hellripper, then that, that would work, I think. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, I think the Les Claypool edition is what really got me going. I was like, holy shit, that's going to completely, oh, yeah, maybe not completely change your sound, but it's going to add so much. <laughs> Un- I don't even know if it's unnecessary or not, but that's the first. <laughs> came to mind unnecessary and, dynamics and, and, well, I, and I don't know why always necessary. <laughs> I, I was just thinking can you imagine uh, I, I'm sure I can't remember which band was it uh, Van Halen also like their uh, what's the thing they get post or uh, pre-gigs a rider yeah so I'm just kind of imagining what Hellripper's rider will be with all these guys on there. It's like each one needs like colored M&Ms. After <laughs> like finding those. Anyways, on that note, James, it's been an awesome 45 minutes or so that we've spent with you. Thank you so much for sparing some time and uh, chat yeah. with us. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you guys taking your time out as well. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah, this this was good fun. Can't wait to hear what other things you have in store, and we hope that uh, we get to hear stuff, uh, hear more stuff soon. And also, yes, uh, we'll try how we can smuggle some merchandise into India. <laughs> My brother is in Kent, so yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. But no, seriously though, I, I was actually just looking it up because I was checking out your merch and I, I was surprised because typically uh, for India on Bandcamp, you literally pay the same amount for merch is shipping. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah it's are... just whatever, whatever price the, the, the mail company here is charging. Uh, I've got no idea what it is, but. Yeah, so yeah. Scot- Scotland is way better than London or anywhere else in England, at least. It should be, it should be the same price. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know. I'll need to check, but yeah. Because yeah, I like the uh, Helldripper Scotland tee. That's yeah, a nice one. Goat t-shirt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Are you the one who's wearing the the horse mask? Uh, the Sorry, the goat mask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, my, that's my real face. This is a mask that I have on right now. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> oh, I found that funny. I was like, wow, like someone new actually got someone. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, man, what you're doing is fucking amazing. And we're glad that, we're, that we were able to, to do this. Yeah. Thank you. No problem at all, man. It was really fun. Like I say, I uh, really appreciate you guys taking your time out. I'm glad you guys like the music. And yeah, thank you very much. Now, we've already spoken about our dream lineups, right? So I'm not going to get into that aspect. So humor me on this, Peter. If you were to start a one-man music project, what genre do you think you'd end up with? Wow. I think black metal only. Just for nothing else is because uh, I can get away with lo-fi production. You can get away with lo-fi production and call it old school in practically every genre. <laughs> no, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Animesh? I know you play in a black metal band and a punk band, but if it was up to you all alone, what would you do? Um, crappy Hindi punk or actually, no, man, like uh, it, it would just end up being like a regurgitated mess of uh you know the old school iron maiden angel witch high spirits that kind of a sound i guess wow so yeah retro retro thrash wow or retro I... old school new wave of british heavy metal that's the kind of music i grew up with and yeah i think those will be the primary influences yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't disappoint me by saying I'd be a singer-songwriter. What's the harm, man? What's the harm? <laughs> Fuck, that's a question we should have asked uh, James, right? <laughs> What's his opinion on being seen as a singer-songwriter? Because that's what he is. Technically, yeah. but Right? Right? <laughs> hey, uh, what do you guys think? What genre would you end up with if you had to start a one-man music project? We'd be happy to talk to you about it. And yes, we still don't buy it. Hit us up. We are at hornsupport.com or you can catch us on the Twitter machine. We are at hornsupport. I'm at Asmoani. And I'm at Trend Crusher. This is Hornsup. Hornsup, guys. <laughs>